I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. I have a very special guest on today. We have not had someone like her before on the, sh- on the podcast. And so I'm really excited to introduce you to Valerie. And before I do, let me give you a little bit of background. Valerie Canino is an author, intuitive mom, and a certified life coach as a quote unquote gifted guide. She serves as a bridge for connection between parents and their teens. Her work has helped dozens of families. So they both feel listened to liberated and loved in their relationship. Thank you, Valerie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. So excited. And so before we dive in, I do a, 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 an icebreaker question and that is what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, my favorite cookie memory is Oreo cookies. Oh, I, but I didn't, you know, I didn't eat the Oreo cookie, like, just like eat it. You have to, you know, you have to unravel it. So you have to, you take, take it apart, take it apart. And then you lick the icing. And then you put, you know, one side, the other side in your mouth and eat it. And then you take the cream and the cookie part and then you just (laughs) delicately just like finish it off. So that, that I used to love doing that. And I could probably eat 10 in one sitting. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I eat them like sushi where I just (laughs) in my mouth don't even bother or I can dip them in like peanut butter. Oh yeah. My big thing was like dipping in milk too. Oh yeah. I love, and it gets all like soggy. Yeah. It was just, it was just like a ritual. (laughs) Right. Right. Do you go for any of like the flavored ones now or just the double stuffed or just a regular old fashioned Oreo? You know, I kind of gave up the Oreos and now I'm into like the mint cookies. Oh, so yeah. The chocolate covered mint cookies. So yeah, yeah, definitely a big fan of those. My case is definitely Yep. Girl Scout season's coming. You placed my order. (laughs) (laughs) You know it. I have a six-year-old daughter and she's not in Girl Scouts and I would selfishly just want to put her in. So we have access to that all the time. But, um, so you're a mom. How many kids do you have? I have two, my son who's 17 and then my daughter who's 20. Oh, okay. So they're on their way out. They're, they're on their way out and up. (laughs) And how do you feel about that? I feel great. Um, I'm really happy because I mean, I just, I have a great relationship with them and it's just been an honor and privilege to see them grow from like, you know, from really little into, into adulthood. So, I mean, I, I've loved the journey, mm-hmm. you know, um, not something that I always thought I would take that journey being a mother, like being, becoming a mother. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's been great. So I feel, I feel good about it. You know, I'm like, they're ready to fly, you know, and, but they, they still come back to the nest to, to talk and have conversations. And so, you know, I love that connection that I've kept with them all through those years. And so you work with teens and you work with, with kids and parent relations and, um, we'll say counsel, even though you're not a licensed counselor, but you counsel them and help them. So what advice would you get? Like my kids are eight, six, and uh, four. So, um, really nurturing that 
to hold that space to where you are able to not be as sad as when they leave or, or to nurture them so they can have that great relationship. You know, what kind of advice or guidance could you provide since it sounds like you had a really nice path to where you are now? I did have a great path and that's a, that's a great question. So what I really, you know, I guess the best, you know, advice I can share is to create those parenting practices that foster connection throughout all of those stages of development with your child. I think that's really, really important. So, you know, you want to set up like a space where like your kid can come to you now and then when they're older. So it's creating that like, okay, like, you know, I really need someone to talk to. So like, whether, you know, so they come to you now, you know, um, in their young age and then their teenhood and then their adulthood, like you're always fostering like that, that practice that fought, like has, creates that connection. So you have that bond, that strong bond. So do you, they say, <clears throat> excuse me, that they, um, you should have like, a connection moment before school, a connection before bed. And then right, when they get home, like, is there certain parts of the day that are easier or better? I mean, I'm sure any mm-hmm. moment of connection is always the best, but, um, what do you recommend? So I wouldn't, you know, it really depends on the parenting schedule. Yeah. For me, it's not, it's, it's not when it's how. So like when you're making that connection, it's about being present in that moment. You're not on your phone. You're being present in that moment. You're listening. You're just sensing, you know, their needs in the moment. So it's really about, you know, taking that moment and in that moment, like, how are you connecting and what, how how do you want to connect? I mean, what's that? What's that look like? Is that maybe like doing something creative with them? Is that having a conversation? Is that doing something that you both like to do together? I mean, there's all different types of ways you can create that connection. It's just like, you know, how do you want to take that moment and what do you want to do with it? You know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, we're going to plan this and that. I mean, you know, it's just really being present in the moment with them. Right. And when you're present, they're present. For sure. It shows them how to be present. Right. And with the phones now being like computers, it's very difficult for parents to disconnect from everything they have to do to being present in like an actual personable moment with a human. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the phone is, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk that the phone is a big distraction for, for kids, but the phone is a big distraction for us adults. And, you know, I have parents that come to me and say, you know, how do I get my kid off the phone? How do I, and I always say it starts with you. Like, so look at what you're doing. So like, I'm a big, I'm a big modeler. Like, so the, the biggest way you can impact your, your kid is modeling. So you want them to act or do a certain thing. You do it. So that they watch, they are watching everything we do. Everything, even everything, everything, everything. Like there's things that my kids will do. And I'm like, Oh, good and bad. I'm like, Oh, great. And then there's, Oh, Ooh, yikes. Uh, they learned that from me need to change that. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's great that you notice that. So like our kids really are a reflection of us in many ways. And so taking that as an adult and saying, Oh, okay, I got to change that. And then changing that, they see that they see you make that change and right. they know that's possible. That's, that is powerful parenting. 
Oh, I like that. No. And, and also the way that they talk to each other, sometimes I'll listen and I'll hear my daughter, like say something to my son. I'm like, Oh, that sounds like me. And that's actually very good. But then sometimes I'll hear them talk to each other. I'm like, Oh, like, I should probably stop hollering like that or, you know, anything like that. And there's my dog. So real life, real life podcasting here. I love real life podcasting. Now it's chaos here. What do you expect? You know, uh, but yeah, I'll sometimes hear them talk and uh, I'm just like, oh, uh, well, I probably need to rephrase that next time or start, you know, consciously, uh, you know, trying to make some changes. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, and I always tell parents not to beat themselves up. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. I think a lot of parents, you know, when I coach them, they're like so hard on themselves. It's like, you got to give yourself a break. You know, kids don't come with a manual and we don't realize, but we unconsciously run a lot of programs, you know, yeah. from our own childhood. We have a lot of emotional wounds. We have a lot of stuff we come with, in with. The outside world is telling us what we should do and how we should raise our kids. I mean, you know, so just be patient with yourself. Right. Cause there is no manual and you try to make it as easy as you can, but you know, things come up. Every kid is different. Every situation is different. Every family is different. <clears throat> so there's really no way to even have a book on it. Right. No, now, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's, I don't feel like there's a, there are, I definitely believe in certain, like there's a foundation, certain parenting practices that really create connection, but there is no one size fits all manual. No. And so really, and what I help parents discover is their intuitive, what I say like intuitive parenting style, like their own parenting style, you know, to create that connection. Right. So that's, yeah, that's a big thing. So I don't tell, oh, you got to do it this way. I'm, I, first of all, I never tell people what to do. I help them discover what they want to do and what's best for them and their family. Oh, wow. That's a really good way of putting it. That's awesome. So did you always want to be a mom? No. I didn't. So I here, so here's, here's the backstory. So I always loved children, but I was really afraid to become a mom because I thought I might screw my kids up. And that's just the truth. Right. So, you know, I came, I mean, I love my parents. They did the best they could with what they knew, but I came from a generation of boss parents and I really, boss parenting is like really demand parenting. You do what you told, uh -huh. you know, I, this is what I said, that's it. And I didn't really thrive under that parenting style. Right. Uh, it really shut me down. And I was just, for, you know, for a while, I just had this like, misconceived notion that like I I had to do it like that or that was the way it was and then I had this like aha moment that like you know what I, I don't have to do it that way and so before I had my kids I went on this whole like self-discovery journey and to really find my own voice and figure out who I was and through that journey I was like you know what I can do it my way and you know what I, I started to think, okay, I want to do, I want to do it differently. What does that look like? Then I started looking into like parenting practices that create connection instead right. of disconnection. Cause being a boss created disconnection for me with my parents. And so as I went on that journey, I was like, I can do this. This is what it could look like. And I actually had a vision for the way I wanted my relationship, my kids to, to be. 
And I'm like, you know what? And then I was like, I remember one day I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be a mom. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, a long I, journey though. <laughs> it is. And everyone I think thinks that moms that are moms always want to be moms. Like I, I agree. I never, I never thought I actually would want kids. I never babysat. I wasn't really around them. I was always around like pets. Mm-hmm. So now that I have three kids, like, I think even my parents were like super shocked when I decided that we we're going to like <laughs> have kids. Uh, cause I mean, it just wasn't something that I was like uber excited about. Right. And why, and why weren't you like, what, what was your, like, why were you not uber excited? Like, how did you, I think it was just because of the lack of experience about, about yeah. around kids. I mean, we, we didn't have like little kids on the street. We didn't like my sister was 16 months younger than I was. So we were very close in age. So it's not like I had any type of experience with like a mm-hmm. younger sibling. Cause she was pretty much the same age as me and I didn't babysit. And so maybe we were babysat a couple of times, but we were always just so busy. So I never really was around it. So I guess it was more of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Wouldn't mm-hmm. know what to do with one, you know? Right. Actually. And that's a lot of parents feel that way. Like, I don't like, they don't have a lot of experience. They don't know what to do around it. And that, and I'd also help parents become, if, you know, become comfortable with that. Right. Because it, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, you don't know how to ride a bike. How do you get it? You know, you, you, so, I mean, it's about being comfortable with, okay, I don't have experience in this, but can I do it? Right. Can I do it? I, can I do it? And if I can do it, do I want to do it? Right. You know? And it's, it, and I always say, and I tell my friend and it's weird, but it does come very naturally. It just shows up when you need it. It's kind it of crazy. It does. We have a lot more, we, you know, we don't give ourselves enough credit, you know, but inside, I really think there's something inside. Like I, I call it the intuitive, like the gut. Like I always tell parents, like, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Like gut intuition, like is extremely important in parenting when you, when you don't know what to do, you know, right. and that's about like, so if you're, Oh my God, I don't want to do it. The best thing is if you can do it, take a minute, take a minute, a mindful minute, take a breath and just like, you know, just relax your mind and just say, okay, what's, what's the next thing I need to do. And you'd be surprised because answers just pop when you're, when you're just in your calm and peace, answers just pop into your head and you got to trust. You got to trust that. It's all about trusting that parent. I call like parent gut instinct because that's powerful. It's not from outside. It's from inside. That really counts. Well, yeah, you have to take that minute and you really have to trust your gut. Like typically your gut's always right. (laughs) It might not be the easiest decision, but oh, I think decision, right. Yeah. I, I, I think that's huge because I don't think the gut decision is always the easiest decision. No. And I think that's what complicates things. Yeah. For us. Why we like, Oh, okay. We're going to go a different way. Oh, somebody did it that way. I'm going to try it that way, but it's really not the right way for you and your kid. Right. You know, and sometimes it takes longer time figuring that out than like just going with the gut decision that like, you know, might take a little longer. Right. In the long run, you know, we're not but looking for takes, the quick fix, not looking for the, the quick fix. Right. Cause that's our culture now, like here now go, 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 like whatever's going to get us there faster when that might not be the best path to take. It's 
it's better maybe to take the slower path. It'll take you longer. You have to take more time. Yeah. But it goes against like our go-go nature. You're right. It does go against our go-go nature. And I mean, being mindful that we're in that go-go-go nature, but being that go-go nature doesn't always lead to the best decisions, you know, in our own life or even, you know, in our, in our relationships, our kids. Sure. Right. You know, like I was always busy doing soccer. I was in so many activities as a kid. I mean, I had like four or five practices a week, just in soccer. I played the violin competitively. I was, um, a dancer until I was 16. Like I was always go, go and a straight A student. So it, and I had perfect attendance from kindergarten to senior year. So I never missed a day of school. I was just always on the go. And I also worked a job as soon as I became 15 or I was working at the soccer fields, I was working too. So I mm-hmm. was always busy. And so now I've slowed down and I haven't had as much to do. And it's like, I don't know what to do because I have all this time and I'm kind of bored, but it also creates a space for me to do more things for myself or really, you know, get things the way that I want instead of just like, go, go, go all the time where I'm pulling my hair out, which is in my natural state, which is like doing four or five jobs at a time mm-hmm. and doing all the things with the kids and then not having really anything to do with them. It's kind of like, is there something wrong? Right. <clears throat> That's interesting you say, cause you know, they're, every kid's different. So actually my daughter was like you, like, go, go, go. Like, so she was played travel soccer for years. She was in acting theater. And it's interesting. People would say to me, oh my God, her schedule's so packed. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. <laughs> right. Like, this is the way this kid is made up. Okay. Right. So like, I've said to her, like, Hey, um, how are you doing? You know, maybe you have enough, you know, do you have, you think I have too many things on your plate? And she's like, absolutely not. And whereas my son was very like chill, like, Oh no, we're not going to do a competitive sport. Like, that's not my thing. I want to play, you know, wreck basketball or chill with my friend. Like, so like everyone's different. And, um, I mean, which brings like the go, go, go thing, you know, some kids really, that's the way they are. They're yeah. made up, you know, and society looks at us and goes, oh my God, look what we're doing to our kids. But again, like it really depends on that. And it's interesting. So, you know, I, I, there, I coach a few moms that like had that same, like, go, go, go. And they're like, okay, now that I'm, I'm still like doing a lot, you know, with my kids, I'm not on the go, go, go. It's like, you know, I have some extra time. And so I say, okay, this is where, like, what's your, what's, what's the next passion? Right. Right. So like, what's the next passion? So like, I always say, look at it as an opportunity when you have some downtime, when you're not used to like, from you going from that phase of like into adulthood and then motherhood, and you're always used to like having like these things in your plate, take that time, like create a new passion, put something on your plate that you really love. Right. So then you are motivated to do it and it's not a chore. It's something fun. Right. It's something, it's something fun. I mean, it makes it, you easy. know, makes it, makes it easy. You know, it's definitely a time to open up, you know, that passion. Right. Right. So let's pivot just a little bit with, um, you have a nonprofit, uh, called mission attainable. And so can you tell us a little bit more about your nonprofit and also some of the services that you do for teens and parents? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I just started this nonprofit. I'm really passionate about it. 
because I've seen the amazing shifts and changes in parent teens relationships, and then also the amazing shifts that parents and teens have, you know, getting past their struggles into like what I call thriving mode. These services are super important. And I wanted to offer them on a, like, uh, I wanted to offer them to as many people as possible. But there's a lot of families out there that can't afford these services. So I created this nonprofit so I could offer life coaching services to parents and their teens at a really like small fee. And, you know, I'm all about paying it forward service. And I, 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 I believe in what I do. I'm passionate about it. And I want to share this service with everyone. And my end goal really, Heather, is to eventually get programs funded to put them in schools, life coaching services in schools and additional service. So, so it's really accessible right there for the parents and the students. Right. That's, that's like my end goal. Yeah. So I'm in the, you know, I'm in the process of, I just founded it. I have, I have clients already coming in and I'm going to start to fundraise and uh, do more on this because I'm really passionate about it. Wow. It sounds incredible. I mean, we were talking about this before we hopped on recording that, you know, kids go through so many things, especially with their parents. Like for instance, I'm going through a grueling divorce and I've got three young ones and I have them hundred percent of the time. So it's a lot of emotions. They're already emotional. They're little, they're in school. It's their second grade, first grade pre-K. And then you, you know, add that on too. It, it's a lot of emotion and a lot of paths that you're trying to navigate and every kid is different. And so sometimes I, you know, I, I talk to the teachers and we talk about all that and they also don't have the skills to help navigate that through either. All I'll get is emails from them saying like, this is what they're doing, or this is what we're noticing. And it's like, okay, well, thank you. And I'm going to work on that. But I feel like you're with them most of the day, mm -hmm. right? they need to have, or there needs to be something, someone there to help them. I, that's bingo. Like exactly that situation. Like that's what I want my, that's why I want those services to be in school because first of all, it takes a village. Yeah. You know, I, I, I you know, and or it's, I feel schools are, you know, they don't have enough resources to really, you know, support, I feel kids to the fullest extent that they really need to be um, supported. And, you know, they, schools don't realize like the relationships outside, they bring them into this, they bring them into their school setting. I mean, it's just a fact of life. Of course they so, do. I, I, you know, you no, bring your stuff into work, right? Exactly. You bring your stuff into work. And so to really think that like, you know, a kid who's going through a divorce, like they're not going to, they're going to still be able to concentrate on their math homework you know, at the same level before, or, you know, not struggle with even their friends. Like that's just, it's nonsense. Not, it's nonsense. It, it, you know, and that's really where we need to provide those services to keep those kids like feeling that they have outside support. So they can do the things to move them forward to keep growing. Right. You know, it's, I mean, it's super important. And I work with parents also who are going through divorce. I have gone through um, a very difficult divorce. So I do understand the challenges of parenting with another parent. And, you know, it's, 
you know, and, and how it affects the kids emotionally. I mean, it's a whole nother level that, you know, people don't understand. Um, and, you know, and I came from a divorced family and I'll just give you a little bit of backstory that I really, you know, I didn't do that well in high school. I'm extremely bright, extremely bright, but I didn't do that well in high school because when my parents were going through that divorce, you know, my whole world was about like, you know, um, whose house you're going to go to or whose house I was going to go to, or like, you know, um, a big thing is like, you know, how, you know, is my father going to like, you know, approve of what I'm doing today? Like, you know, uh, I mean, I'm trying to get my parents to love me or accept me or, you know, I mean, it's a big deal. And so I wasn't really able because I let my family life, I focused on like all about my family, like, you know, this and that, like what was going on. Like I wasn't really able to fully be, you know, a kid, kid or a teen and yeah. like pursue all the things that I really, you know, wanted. Right. You know, and I mean, really, it did get in the way. And so like, I'm about like providing that support. So like they can keep on that journey. That's been extremely important for my kids because it's very, um, it's, it, it's, it interrupts everything. It's very, it's just intrusive. There's just all these moving parts. And when they're this young and they're trying, you're trying to explain to them like why this can't happen now and why it did, it's terrible. And I've found that being honest is the best, but you're trying to be honest without saying something negative about the other party. And you have to teach them about consequences to actions and things like that. And it's very difficult lessons to learn where it's not just like you hit your sister, there's a consequence, right? It's a, it's a big, big consequence or like they're, they don't get to do something and that's the consequence, but it's not because of them and trying to really navigate through that has been very difficult. And then when they go to school, you know, like my youngest one didn't want to nap for the longest time. He was fighting the teacher, like being rambunctious and being a little, um, a combative, but just, you know, defiant. And they're like, well, is there something that we could do to support? It's like, guys, they're going through a divorce. Like every day is going to be different and you just have to be patient. You don't have to email me every five seconds. at something that he's doing. Just fix it or help him. I can't help him. You right. guys have to help him. You guys are with him all day. <laughs> right. They're with him all day. And so, I mean, we, I, you know, I feel like the educational system, you know, is really just set up for the for the group, not, you know, yeah. the individual. So like, it, it can be frustrating because the teacher, you know, so, so why does that kid have to nap? Like what, what, what could, okay. So here's the situation. So like, you know, your child doesn't want to nap, you know, getting your child, getting your son to nap. I mean, just so like everyone can do the same thing. It, it, it you know, to me, it doesn't make sense. So like, okay, you have this situation. So like, you know, the child doesn't want to nap. So like, what else could the child do? Could they sit there quietly and draw? Can they, you know, listen to music with you know, headphones? I mean, there's all these different, like, how do we solve the problem? So this kid feels, you know, supported and settled in who he or she is now. Right. Like, uh, you know? And yeah. I tell that, that, I say that too. It's like, well, as long as he's not being destructive and I know that there's other kids, not just mine. And so they're trying to manage other children, but there's also aids. There's also things that you could do. I'm sure he's not the only one that doesn't want to. So maybe take the group of kids that don't or, you know, and do something differently, but there's always like a problem that can be solved. And those types of resources would be very helpful because all we currently, and this is just at my school, 
I get emails about it. Right. Right. And so, so in a sense, like, you know, if I was, you know, I had my life coaching services in the school, you could come to me and say, the teacher's emailing me, you know, we're having this difficulty of the situation. How do we solve it? So I would work with you and the teacher to solve it right. and the child. So it's like a plan. It's like, let's solve the problem. It's not like making anyone out to be a bad person. It's about like, how do we solve the problem? What's best for the child, the family and the teacher? There's always something that can be done right it's all about everybody so how do we solve the problem and see i'm a big i'm a big collaborator um which is what it is you have to and and they're not you know they're always like we're here to support let's come up with an idea but then i can you know honestly say like well they're exhibit you know yes he's doing this at home too it's not just at school it's here too and this is the reason why and you know it is what it is right now and it won't be permanent and it'll be a phase and this is what we're doing at home to work through it so maybe you could try this but it's just you know it's also not my job to tell them how to manage it either you know right and i and that's you're right and so what happens i feel in the educational setting is the teachers lose their they feel somehow they lose their autonomy to think outside the box mm-hmm that's there's big, so many rules and regulations. They're so afraid to step out because they don't get in trouble. There's so right, many. Yeah. Right. And and so they kind of need permission to kind of step out of the box and also collaborate with someone who knows how to step out of that box. So like mm-hmm. I'm a really big step out of the box person. So and I'm solving problems every day for clients and my family and my kids and my friends. Like, you know, and everyone, yourself. And myself and myself big time. Don't forget about you. Right. That's right. I love it. thank you for the reminder. And for myself. And so, you know, that's what that's the approach I come from, you know. And when and when you can bounce something off with somebody, it's it's super powerful and it can help everybody. One hundred percent. Because you 100%. get that third party, unbiased opinion, out of the box, different way of thinking, because we all don't think the same. We all, we all don't think the same and, and there's, I, there's not a one size fits all for everyone. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, you have to take people, you know, there's, there's, you have to take people as you have to look at people as individuals as right. well. Right. That's yeah. what I do like a lot for, at least for me, if there's like a conflict between me and somebody, I'll always try to sit there and say like, okay, where are they at in their lives? What's going on in their lives? Why do, why would they react this way? Oh, okay. I guess that would make sense. I could see why. Okay. And you have to look at all the factors before you just jump at somebody and be like mad about it. You could, now you still can be bothered by what happened mm-hmm. and you can still say like, it hurt my feelings or whatever. However, you can also understand the thought process behind it and be a little bit more forgiving or work through it and explain, like, I understand that you're going through X, Y, Z, and I can see why you would have done that. Maybe next time, maybe just think about me and da, 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 you know? Right. No, absolutely. And so that's what I call that's responding, not reacting. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's actually a, that's actually a great example of a parenting practice that creates connection is responding instead of reacting. Mm-hmm. Right. Just, just like that saying, okay, to the child, you know, and then I call it like a, goes into a collaborative process. Like, okay, well, you feel this way. You know, I feel this way. Like, you know, how do we solve this? Right. It's, you know, that collaborative, you know, and, and take that moment to respond, put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, that's, that's actually 
that's a that's a parenting practice that I definitely support in creating connection. It goes a long way when you can put someone like put someone else's shoes on and really and not just look at like their personality and oh they're just abrasive or or they're passive. It's mm -hmm. you got to look at everything that's going on with what knowledge you have, of course, like if they're also not giving you a piece of information that is pertinent, you, you can't clearly, co you know, collaborate fully and right. be understanding completely if they're leaving something out. Well, and that's a great thing. So, um, that's what happens with teens, right? They leave stuff out. Mm -hmm. So we really don't know what's going on half the time. And so I, that's a big thing. I tell parents is the best thing you can do is create what I call a non-judgment zone mm -hmm. where you allow the kid to open up and tell you as much as I want, you know, tell you everything. And you set up a safe zone that you're listening and you're helping them to figure out the next steps. Right. You know, because they um, don't want to fear getting in trouble. They don't want to fear about getting judged. I, I do that with my eight-year-old. I always tell him because he's going through that phase where he's sneaking or, do, you know, he's mm -hmm. being defiant. He's looking for uh, responses, negative, positive, whatever it is. Right. That's right. And so sitting back and just being like, look, you're not going to get in trouble. I just need the truth. Now that doesn't mean there's not going to be a consequence. I'm not going to get mad, but you have to always tell the truth because I can't help you. And then that doesn't mean that, the, that you won't, something's not going to happen, but mm -hmm. you have, we can at least have a conversation and I won't be as mad. <laughs> right. 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 Absolutely. And I think I love the part that you said you were honest. I'm not going to say there won't be a consequence. So, so you're honest. So you're, you're saying you be honest and you're being honest. You're modeling that to him. Right. That's huge. And so he knows, okay. And I mean, that's, that's huge. And I find when parents are so important in kids and teens lives, I mean, I, I can't tell you, the parent relationship is super important. And when they feel like they can come to you and they have somebody that they can bounce off ideas or help them and support them, it's, it's a, it's a game changer. It's a life changer. Mm -hmm. It it's is because you changer. want, you want, you don't want them going in and seeking help from someone else if they don't have to. No. Yeah. And you know, the, the, this is the thing they, then they go to their peers and their peers are, I mean, their peers are still just in like development. them. Right. And they, I mean, listen, I, I gotta say teens are, teens have a lot of wisdom. I really, I, I, when I work for teens, I cannot tell you the ideas and the things they come up with. And I'm like, wow, like, wow, I'm, I'm in awe. So we don't give teens enough credit, but like you said, there's, you know, they're still going through things and they don't know how to handle everything. And Plus you got hormones and you've got hormones. other things going and the yeah. emotional brain, the emotional brain, people are like, Oh my God, why my, why is my teen so emotional? There's actually the brain part that it's developing you know, still it's developing and the emotional brain they're in the emotional brain is in control. So like people, you know, parents don't realize that the emotional brain is in control. And so like, that's, what's going to, that's, what's, you the know, yeah. The frontal lobe right there is flipped. So they're just going right? to make decisions if they're flipped. Right. And so, you know, we have to be mindful of where they're at, where, where they're at in their development, you know, <clears throat> and I think parents have unrealistic expectations sometimes, you know, like, well, they should know better. And I'm like, eh. you know what, you know, you're, you know, I, when I, another parenting practice is like, you know, um, instead of telling them what to do, you know, help them figure out what to do. 
and find another system if it's just not working. If they just can't seem to carry through, like my kids, some mornings are great. They get ready for school and they're ready to go. And then some mornings are still hopping around. I'm like, we got to go in 10 minutes, people. And like, you guys know the drill. Right. But Absolutely. something else is happening where they just couldn't get it done. Right. And it's okay to change it up. It's like, okay, this is not working anymore. And it's okay to say to the, you know, your kid, you know, I need you to help me solve this problem. You know, this is what's going on and this is not working. So let's, let's come up with something that's going to work. hundred percent. And cause it empowers them to start to make those decisions that are going to move them forward in a positive way. I'm mm -hmm. all about empowering teens. So like my big thing is, you know, I empower teens to feel like they can do anything, solve anything and be anything. It's huge. And when they have that autonomy with, you know, guidance, parental guidance behind them, you know, to show them that way forward, they, they will make, they will make great decisions. They will mm -hmm. make really good decisions. My teens, my kids, I call them teens and really not teens anymore, but they, you know, adults, but they make great decisions, right? You know, but from a young age, they were making decisions with sure. my guidance, you know, but they had a lot of choice. And so they discovered what, you know, really worked and what didn't work. And sometimes I had to stand by and go, oh, 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 are you going to do, I'm thinking to myself, you're going to do what? Oh, okay. Okay. I watch it. Oh, I mean, and it didn't turn out so great, No, but they, but they, I didn't go, well, I told you so. They're like, you know, Ma, that didn't turn out so great. Oh, all right. Tell me more, buddy. What do you think? Well, maybe I should have done it this way. Okay. Well, I, I think I'm going to try it that way. Great. See how empowering that is. Yeah. yeah. Instead of, I told you show and shaming them into making like they made that decision. So then they're right. going to stress out the next time it happens. Like, Oh, is she going to get mad if I make the wrong decision? Right. Exactly. Because they really care what uh, their parents think. They really, oh, yeah. really care what we think. Like, they, they can say they don't care, but they always care. Sure. I mean, we all have, we all bring our parental, we, like in adulthood, we always go back. Well, as a kid, I did da, 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 or my mom or my dad, like it always comes back. And always so it molds back. us. It, so. mold, it molds us. And so that, and that's the thing is like, I didn't want, I didn't want my upbringing to mold my children. Meaning like, so I, what I find with, I work with a lot of parents who have Emotional wounds, you know, they get triggered from their past. And I always say, you didn't like the way your parents did it. So don't let your parents parent your child. Correct. You decide what's best for your kid. 100%. That's a big part of what I help parents with. Yeah. I mean, you always have to say like, I'm me, this is me. I'm not them or I'm not that person or I'm not your mom. Like I'm me. And so I'm going to do it the way. I feel fit. And if you didn't like it, then clearly I'm not going to do it that way. You know, like right. Your, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. hundred percent. Well, this was a fantastic conversation, Valerie. I really appreciate it. Where can our listeners find more about your nonprofit and if they want to help, or if you're, you're going to start fundraising here or want to uh, get your services, uh, where can we find you? Yeah. Thanks so much. So you can go to my website, www.valeriecanino.com. And I have all my services and I have a whole thing about Mission Attainable on there. And I just want to mention that in a few months, I'm going to be launching a book for teen girls. 
It's oh, wow. called, yeah, excited. It's called From Surviving to Thriving, Master Your Teen Girl Life Now. It's actually real girl stories of their struggles. And then it's the wisdom and the information that they use and got to turn their life around, like turn a situation around, turn a struggle around into a win. Wow. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. So well, we'll have to have you come back when that book comes out and talk about more about your book. That would be I'd, amazing. I'd love that. I'd love that. Thank you so much, Heather. Oh, you're so welcome. And at the time of this recording, we are in January. So just so everyone has a timestamp on it and uh, I really appreciate it and go check out Valerie and all of her amazing uh, services. The links are in the notes and um, hopefully you come back, Valerie. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much, Heather. And uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.